0: And weave it into your own life with the same unrelenting passion to give those you have the privilege of coming in contact with the best hour of their day.
1: You started your business to help others. Somewhere along the way, you lost the capability of doing it on your own. Imagine how much different your business would be with an extra $10,000. Would you pay your rent? Would you buy new equipment? Would you pay your coaches more? Would you pay yourself? What if you could do that and donate to others? We started our business to help you. Finally, a a payment solution for the micro gym space. We are proud to introduce you to WheelPay, a platform that allows you to both save money and be generous. With giving partners like The Phoenix, the Navy SEAL Foundation, the Green Beret Project, and other charitable organizations, you can trust that your donations will make a massive difference in the lives of others. Saving has never been easier. Giving has never been easier. Pay better. Do better. will pay.
2: What a day we've got. This is potentially the most people we've had on an episode of Best Hour of Their Day. For the record, we've got Kevin Olgar, Logan Aldridge, Chris Stoutenberg, and last but certainly not least, John Prescott. Now, first of all, welcome.
3: Thanks for having us, man. This is great. Yeah, there's going to be for... a lot. There's going to be a lot of interrupting and talking <laughs> over people, so this is going to be really annoying for people to listen to. But let's <laughs> do this.
2: We'll, we'll do our best. I mean, those that listen, No Fern interrupts me nonstop, so it won't be that much different for them to listen to this. But John, thanks for facilitating. We appreciate it. You got all these guys on here. My first question, and I think the question most people have when when seeing the guest list and seeing the title of this episode, is what exactly is WheelWad?
3: Great question. I think the guy who founded it should answer.
4: Yeah, I think that's a stouty answer for sure.
3: I mean, sure.
5: Um, so WheelWad is uh, is a competition platform. Uh, programming platform we built for adaptive athletes It kind of came out of selfish needs of uh, myself and a few other uh, wheelies that were just looking for somewhere to do the open. So I started kind of adapting the open for a couple of guys in wheelchairs and uh, that built the next year. Along came Kevin Ogar, who also wanted to be involved and uh, it grew even more. And then Logan Aldridge was like, hey, wait a minute, we want to do the open too, but we don't have wheelchairs. Can... Can you program it for us as well? So it continued on and then we started building, um, you know, a bit of educational pieces, but really more of like try and test stuff. So, cause like no one really had any blueprint for this. It was just like, we had to kind of make it up as we go and see what worked and what didn't. And uh, it's growing now to, uh, to a really large competition platform providing adaptive athletes places to compete, helping event organizers uh build competitions building competitions ourselves and then providing programming for athletes that want to be competitive but also athletes that uh, just want to learn how to do it and affiliates to go along with that that's
2: and, and to be clear it's it's more than simply competition you put out daily programming now
5: yeah 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 we're we take we're trying to grow the movement to give you know uh gym owners a chance to build their athletes uh, competitive or not, just giving them some tools to do that, but also uh, individual athletes, trying to get them involved in, this, in the sport of functional fitness.
2: And, and how many different categories are there currently? If someone were to go online and they want to sign up for a WheelWOD for their box, how many categories will they get?
5: So we have standing upper impairment. So someone like Logan and I'll break it down in between above elbow amputation like Logan or below elbow, Uh, standing lower impairment, which would be above knee amputees, low below knee amputees, club foot, anything that's affecting your ability to stand in your lower limbs. Uh, And then neurological, so neuromuscular, CP, MS, uh, could just be a brain injury. Um, Seated, which would be seated one and seated two with hip function is seated one without hip function, or sorry, without hip function as seated one and with hip function as seated two. Uh, so that could, seated two could include double leg amputees that work out in wheelchairs or in a seated position. Uh, sensory, which is vision and uh, and hearing. And then who am I missing?
2: Short,
5: short stature. Short, short, short stature, yeah. yeah well, a- Ackerman's we'll, group. <laughs> or division. Uh, <laughs> yeah, your division. you'd have to show me some medical papers though. Uh, to compete, but you could definitely follow the program. We have a lower uh, wall ball target, which I, I feel is, is needed. I think yeah. it's fair. I, I think wall balls, I honestly think wallball should be set at height and weight by proportion to person.
2: I agree
6: 100%. Kevin, what do you want to say? I was going to say, Jay Hagerman, I think this is the first time in your life someone's going to say this to you. You're too tall <laughs> to ride this ride. <laughs> That's boring.
2: But, but you, you did mention a piece of paper. Is, is that Is that normal? Is that what goes on? Like in order to compete in an adaptive division, does somebody have to show up with a doctor's note or some sort of letter to prove it?
5: So we have developed that process. It currently didn't exist. Uh, So we do either classifications where we see you in person or on Zoom, take you through a section of movements like the uh, um, Paralympics would do if you were going to play a Paralympic sport or you can provide us with uh, medical documentation as well Prove your injury a lot of times you can see uh, just in the movement um, we have an initial classification process which we go through we give them a classification if we see something different in competition when the field is live their comp- their classification could change um, because it's really easy to say oh yeah well, I can't do this and I can't do this and all of a sudden when the heat of the moment's going on they're like wait a minute he just did all the things he said he really actually couldn't do and that's a big thing that happens in Paralympic sport as well it's why you want to see it happen in the uh, field of competition.
2: Have you seen that happen in CrossFit as someone showed up to an event and said, I classify as X. And then in the middle of the workout, you're like this dude or, or girl is lying or maybe not even lying on purpose, but maybe they, you know, just, just like, you see like those evangelist videos. Do they just like stand up out of their chair, like mid workout, <laughs> like you're blessed. And uh, now I can do wall balls. Like
5: this is crazy. Uh, we've seen, we've seen like the, it's usually in a differish, different situation, like in a seated uh, classification where we're pretty sure there are two, but they're showing us and telling us that they're a seated one. Cause they don't have hip function. And then we see the hip function happen when, you know, they're, they're not prepared for us to really realize what's going on. They, they have to get up and down out of their chair and they're trying to do it fast. And you notice, Oh, he so, just tucked his legs underneath them and kind of used them to stand up.
2: So what yeah, what does that look like for someone that doesn't know any better? What you know, what does hip function versus not hip function look like for wheelies? Kevin, you want to take that?
6: Yeah, so I'm I'm not hip function. So I'm a T11 paraplegic, and uh, uh, I think the like, generally what you see is the lowest year and goes like a T12, Jed Jedidas Nelson, who's um, took second in the open this year. Um, is a t12 and he's about as low as you get before you start getting hip function or innervation of the hip and it's more or less whenever you have control and or can leverage um the musculature of your hip to aid you in the movement can you get a little hip pop can you use it to help you get back in a chair can you use it to get a little bit of a kip going um and what you're going to see more in, in seated two are people like um uh like zach rule be, is seated two. he has hip function he, he's a double amputee but he does have some hip function uh, Tom Yazgo would be a, a seated two. He has a cerebral palsy um, that affects his lower half, but he can stand up and walk around a bit. But he just can't work out standing. Um, so you're going to see a lot more of that. Um, I mean, basically, if you if you can if you have your legs under control even a little bit, even at your hip, like if you can kneel and stay balanced, you're, you're probably a seated two. Where if I if I like if I were to move to the edge of my chair and try to press something overhead, I would fall. Jed would fall. Stoudy would fall. If you're seated two and you have, well, you have great. Shut up, you're a freak. But it um, sounds
2: like it's a it's a big advantage. We all know hip extension is like vital to cross. Yeah, it's
6: so. not. It's not even just the the ability to extend the hip and use that for power. It's also balance. Like I'm saying, like if I sit on the edge of something and I press overhead, um, I have and even Stouty has the likelihood of falling over, even though he's really good at balance. Um, you do. I'll push you over one of these days. Um, but <laughs> but like, if
2: you gain, like in other words. Stouty, are you and Kevin
6: the same? Uh, yeah, until we start breaking it down, like seated one has high and low, and I'm a low and he's a high. So we, we break it off at T6, which tends to have a lot of um, abdominal function. So I have abdominal function um, for the most part, and where Stouty does not. So he'd be considered seated one high, and I'd be considered seated one low. This
2: is, it's really complicated.
6: Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think seated seat is more the easy one. Wait until you get into the neuros.
2: Well, and and I want to hear what Logan has to say, but I mean, I would ima- imagine every workout that you guys are adapting takes a, a very long time. I mean, hours. And and I think what's really important to remember it's no different than when CrossFit started. You go back to two thousand one, Coach Glassman was like, choose a weight and do this and do that. And now it's evolved to Fran is ninety five or Diane is two twenty five. I would imagine you guys are 20 years later going through a lot of those same learning curves. What, Logan, what were you going to add?
3: I was just going to, on your question about the difference, you know, I think that's a really good question, especially from the perspective of an able-bodied individual. It's easy to be, um, to simulate impairments and try to see what that might feel like for the athlete. You can, for instance, myself, put an arm behind your back and try to do a workout one-armed and get a sense for what, Uh, my workouts may feel like for the differentiation in seated one and two, it's really important um, and maybe overlooked from the able-bodied perspective because you can't really simulate what it's like to be without hip function. You can have your conceptual idea of understanding what that athlete experiences with pressing, but, you know, there's a lot like Kevin was just mentioning with core function and stuff. So yeah, I think it's really, it's really important. uh, And it's a good question to ask and for us to explain a bit more detail because there's a balance between additional divisions and making sure people fit into a category that can be competitive. And I think WheelWOD's done a really good job at monitoring when it's appropriate to add that next division or to add the specificities within the division. And I hope listeners understand, because they might start to think in their own head, well, if that's the case, well, then upper extremity, there's so many different types of condition impairments. No two individuals are the same. Well, shouldn't there be an upper extremity neurological single side condition division. And you're right, there really should. But we have to get the population to that size before we can justify those divisions. And it's really cool to see that it is to the size where we can have this many divisions. And I think, generally speaking, we'll never cover all the divisions, but we'll cover some that allow individuals to like, identify where their uh, eligibility falls into the appropriate division. Well, and it's, it all comes down
6: to like advantages and disadvantages, you know, and it's the same thing within like able-bodied CrossFit competitions. When I was keep competing standing up, I'm six three. I have a lot of disadvantages opposed to someone who's like 5'8", when it comes to squat, like the depth of a squat or how fast I can move a barbell cycle through a um, clean and jerk. And, and I feel like what we've been able to come up with is, is a nice representation of that same thing where, where Logan um, as an upper – um, above the elbow amputee may have some disadvantages with certain movements. Um, we we've corrected or, you know, as close as we can correct for that um, to make it fairly even, but then he also has some advantages in other movements. Um, and so it, it's, it's, there's all a bunch of pluses and minuses. And I think it all comes out in the wash as far as
5: how well we program for that kind of stuff. It makes a no, difference in the program, the program all of a sudden, you know, in a CrossFit gym, I can be like, you want to get a good workout? Well, let's do 30 squats 20 push-ups, 10 pull-ups, cycle it through for a bit. We'll get a good workout. Maybe you get a run-in. That's all good and fun and you'll get it. But you have to really understand the impairment and what the disadvantage is. When you get into neuromuscular and um, things that start to break down as people get fatigued, other symptoms start to show up, you need to understand that. You can't just be like, oh, yeah, well, you'll do the same as they will because it's going to have a whole different effect. It could have a negative effect. It might not be a gain in fitness. It could be a really fall back in fitness. So understanding where those things happen and how athletes can crash and how overuse can happen uh, to a single arm uh, is huge. So the program changes your what your outlook on things are way more than anything else.
2: Well, and, and I had a conversation recently with Dave Hippensteel, who was one of the best master's athletes and CrossFit just added another age category. And again, the age categories have probably been around seven, eight years at this point, and they're realizing, hey, you know, they added the 35, now they've added the 65 plus, I I mean, this is still early and I know, you know, there's always gonna be people complaining and people need to stop and recognize, hey, these guys are doing their best and they're learning. I I have an idea, I'm gonna throw it out there. And then John, I do wanna hear from you about something, but you mentioned Logan, it's hard to test that lack of hip function. I've got an idea. I think this is gonna go over really well. In the wild, community. So, you have to eat a lot of ice cream and beans, and you have to do a workout, but you can't shit yourself. If you shit yourself, you're using your hips. So, <laughs> in other words, so you, you're basically stopping yourself from trying to contract the midline. You know, midline stability. If you guys want to use that, <clears throat> I will allow it. I will allow it's that to be the test. Well, well, the I- test. One of the ways I've explained oh like God. pressing
6: for a seated athlete is like someone who's a high seated athlete, like stouty would be like sitting on a, a, yoga ball and trying to press something overhead without your feet being on the ground.
2: Yeah. Without with, with, shitting yourself, of
6: course. Without shitting yourself nah. so, <laughs> someone like me, who's a lower, uh, who's lower in, in the injury. Like mine would be like pressing something overhead while sitting on a BOSU ball while someone with hip function would just be someone sitting on a bench and pressing overhead. So the stability in in those three categories really really represents how hard it is to balance and press or move um for a, a seated high lower or hip function.
2: You know what, Kevin, that's good and great. I'm gonna go with the shit test. And yeah if you if you, if you poop yourself you're trying to use your abs. That's you're really, trying too hard. You're trying too hard. So John, you you are unique in this group. Yeah um, correct me if I'm wrong, you're able bodied is that the right term
4: for the unless you count any mental you know deficiencies that I have but yes overall I would say you and I'm i fairly able-bodied
2: you and I will be in that same category yeah so so talk to me about you know what that process does look like you know we hear from from these guys
4: yeah I think you know to take it like peel back a little bit to know where I kind of fold into it, it's like I'm a gym owner and I had a very cool opportunity for Logan one day just walked into the gym and he was like hey like I'm an adaptive athlete and I was like and this is something I think all gym owners need to understand, and it actually brings a, a very strong line of credibility to why Stouty started creating the programming downline that we have for affiliates. Like, I had absolutely no idea how to coach an adaptive athlete, and it wasn't until Logan made me realize that we gym owners are doing a very poor job of being prepared for an athlete. Like, you you can't just say I can't help you. Like that's if that's the way that you treat somebody who's in a wheelchair, then how do you treat your people who aren't, right? Like, I just can't help you. So when he walked in, it was a lot of learning and he um, he introduced me to Stouty and introduced me to uh, Waterpalooza, which at the time was, um, it was a very small competition. It was, you know, Logan invited me to go down with him. He wanted to throw down and see what it was all about. The adaptive,
2: My, the adaptive. Yeah,
4: yep, yeah. They, uh, so Guido had, had worked, you know, in previous years with putting, um, as Logan likes to call it, a hand clapping event. Um, where people can sort of just support the vision of bringing adaptive, and it was great. And I, I was like on day, like a little stage, kind of removed, it wasn't as right. Well, these, these wanted, good job, eight, you guys are doing exercise,
2: eight right? people
5: competed, Saudis, however, you said, in all forms. Like, so there was a short stature, Kevin, uh, double leg amputee, standing with like one arm, standing with missing a leg, right? So, and you know, at the
2: same time, too, like, not individually, yeah. yeah.
5: Yeah. And it was kind of just be whatever they could do. Uh, yeah. And people could see it. But
4: from my perspective, from the outside looking in, I was brought into this. Hey, like study was like, Hey, you look like you want to help. Like, come on, you seem pretty cool. So I kind of started helping them, but watching the evolution of the event itself. And this, this is framework that I still carry to this day. And I tell every adaptive athlete, because. Like Logan basically started a brush fire here at the gym for competitive adaptive athletes. Like All my adaptive athletes want to be first place. There's no like they want to be the best period. But what Logan helped me even understand better is there was eight people in an event that now has about 600 people registered to compete for. And that's a time span of like seven years. Right. So it's the idea that what they are representing is the opportunity to grow inside of a sport that never really had that much of a traction. And how do you gain a competition into that? Like how do you, pri- and what it's, what it's looked like from my vision is seeing Stouty, Kevin and Logan and numerous other athletes taking the programming and learning. How can you actually make a competitive program? Because you, you identified the problem. Everybody has their own variation of need. So how do we streamline a competition that allows everyone to demonstrate their abilities, not their disabilities, right? And I always go back because Logan made me think these, like, you know, I know I'm only the 11th athlete at this competition, but next year there'll be 20. And the following year, there'll be 30. And now what's happened as a result of that mindset, and I have to remind Sean Everly of this all the time. He's a short-statured athlete. He's one of eight people on earth who have this condition. There's not gonna be a huge athlete pool. But if you stay in it, and all of a sudden people start to see it, And that's exactly what's happened. And now there is a short stature division with athletes who can compete for that division. So alongside of the evolution of the programming, which I think is only going to happen as the athlete pool continues to grow, is just the athlete pool creating a competitive platform, which actually, you know, WheelWide has done a pretty cool job of doing. So I'm definitely more on the outside of it, looking at it as a gym owner. I obviously don't have adaptations to those needs. So learning how to coach these athletes, that is to my point as a gym owner, it's the most important thing that you should be doing. Like if you're not learning, then you're not doing a service to your community. And as soon as we, my coaches all know this stuff now, we have adaptive athletes. I just had another one walk in yesterday. She's a full on quadriplegic neurologic athlete. We're gonna work with her. She's gonna be awesome because can she, she can, in? can she I
6: in. I don't wanna be, I
2: can walk in. She did not, Okay. <laughs> she did not, <laughs> I, I said that wrong. <laughs> just being clear, cause I was like, that's impressive if you did that already. But
4: we already got her to
2: walk in. <laughs> I love what you're saying too. First of all, I love Sean. Shout out to Sean. I know he's listening. He's my super fan. I'm pretty sure there's, you know, single white female type stuff happening about me, (laughs) Sean. (laughs) But what I love about what you guys are doing is, and, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I can't speak from this perspective. Logan, I know you were young, right? Kevin Stoudy. This is getting people that potentially would not have that competitive outlet to compete on a daily basis not just uh, you know when they go to waterpalooza but you're giving them the opportunity to go to a box too because the the more people that learn about this like john who's probably got the preeminent adaptive box in in the country i don't know if that's true i just you know if you if you guys that are listening don't know john check out uh news river crossfit and you'll see i you have you have a are like, like five 15 right mean, now, 15 or 16. 15, I mean, athletes. I would, I would argue most boxes have one or two, right. If, if that, but now I can't he, take the
4: credit for that, man. Logan, like he's so handsome. And then they walk in and they're like, where's that handsome one arm fella. And then that's that they're locked in 10 year contract. They're already whatever
2: in. it takes, whatever it's it true. takes, but you know, people have, it, it's no different than Cross. You know, years ago, I, I asked coach Glassman, you know, why do you only put the best athletes on, on com? This is, you know, going way back when and he was like because you can only trickle down you can't trickle up you know richard simmons is never going to coach the the best athletes in the world because no one looks at richard simmons like that and i and i assume it's the same here right by throwing out this competitiveness all of a sudden it can trickle down and people are realizing i can do this too and and they're showing up around the world to join CrossFit affiliates
5: yeah in the competition aspect every year there's all of a sudden like a group of athletes that we haven't seen. And now we're starting to see Paralympians going like, Ooh, this is a good off season or I'm done the way I found CrossFit was done competing in the Paralympics and was looking for something to stay competitive, but not, you know, playing rec ball where it's like, just not the same. You don't go from the Paralympics to playing rec basketball and, and feel competitive. You're just like, this isn't that fun. So crossfit was what i found and that's what i was like oh this is great now i just got to find people to compete against it's the same thing we're seeing athletes come out every year you're like where did this person come from holy crap look at this he's just and they're just learning and they're just fresh and they're and they just have athletic ability that's incredible that you're like okay that they just need a coach they get a coach and somebody that starts to give them direction they're going to be incredible
2: is it do you have two gold medals saudi is that true
5: yeah two olympic gold medals one uh one silver Olympic medal, and then one world championship gold and one bronze so and, have, an MVP, and an MVP of the world. Just the,
2: You have three Olympic medals yeah, from three yeah. different, yeah. like, so you played was, at least for
5: eight years. So I did 2000, 2004, 2008, and then I retired in 2010.
2: And you're wearing those medals now, is that right, under your shirt? <laughs> <laughs> They're actually in a box in the basement. So from what I've heard, the Olympics is like really like a party. Is it the same for, for the Paralympics? Like, yeah.
5: Yeah, especially yeah for, you- sport, uh, for me, it's not the same because we play day one and we play day 15. So oh, if we go to the gold medal games, but the teams that get knocked out, they're out. But for me, there's no party. You see the party and like, you know, there's sprinters that are there. They run two races on the first two days their Paralympic experience is over and they just
2: just get wasted for the next two, because you stay in the village, right? You, see, I mean, yeah. for those that don't know, the Paralympics typically follows right after the Olympics, right? Same village, same everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kevin, just do you, is that your, what's that study? It's just a bunch
5: of sexy people that are in shape and been cooped up for four years looking to release.
2: But I'm going to ask, a, uh, I want to hear from Kevin about going, but being in a wheelchair when you get drunk, like what happens?
6: <laughs> you can't <laughs> walk straight.
2: I mean, you know, I've been really drunk, you know, college drunk, and you're just like you're slurring, like you're slurring your words, you're falling down. Like, I would imagine you just fall asleep. Uh,
5: you see people pass out. Face first on a table, or flip over backwards.
4: I was just gonna say I didn't want to say any names, but I've seen two wheelchair athletes drunk flip backwards in their chair. So
5: are they both on this
4: call right they're, now? They're, neither one of them are in this call. Kevin okay. fell, but he wasn't drunk, and that was just funny.
5: Yeah, I was stone cold sober and flip backwards. You know what? <laughs> what? Usually, the cause of the guy in the wheelchair flipping over backwards is is not the guy in the wheelchair. The drunk people are around him that think they want to jump on his lap and give him a hug. Uh-huh. so i catch you because i don't want you to fall all your momentum's going into me it's either i can just like shoulder you and just let you fall as you go by or i got to grab you and then we're both going down and that's the, yeah. that's, that's, the there. that's the reality of of it yeah
2: kevin are you, are you still training for competition uh, I, reti- I retired from
6: the the para powerlifting team um we had some disagreements on 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 some things and so i retired from that uh who knows I, i've been asked about like the cross-country team and the biathlon team i may i may play around with those but as of right
2: now awesome. I've com- country team what is, i mean like a like a five day scene.
6: yeah like a skein really
3: yeah you that's what like a, being, quite a shift he would crush it he would win if he yeah. did yeah it's ridiculous uh,
6: it's a lot like, I mean, it's a lot like CrossFit, man. It's just like how how well can you suffer, and then the biathlon is how well can you sh- suffer for a very short period of time, get your heart rate back down, and fire a gun. And I grew up in Missouri. I got the gun part down.
2: So you think, Logan, you think if Kevin decides to shift sports, he would literally be a gold medalist?
3: Yeah, I competed. I competed in Nordic skiing. I went to nationals and participated. And I know the seated guys and. You, no, nobody trains the skier like uh, adaptive CrossFit athletes. And that is exactly what uh, well, is the modality of cross-country yeah, no skiing.
6: The reason I got asked is because they I, I did a seated marathon skier and a half
4: marathon skier again. Um, I just want to jump in. I want you to let that sit for a second. He skied a marathon with no legs.
2: Well, I, you know, <laughs> as you guys are saying that and I'm thinking about it, go back to that hip conversation you know people that don't use the skier properly are probably not using enough hips but it's really there's still a tremendous amount of hips i mean that just must blow you up it's insane i mean it's yeah i
6: it can't it's one of my favorite things to do i, I love the skier um, and that's why he's as wide as a door frame possibly yeah That in yeah. be the best yeah i mean that is a
3: Just for those listening who might work with seated athletes, that is the go-to conditioning equipment. You get you you get they get to pull. They get to pull a lot, Uh, and that's awesome. They push all the time. Yeah, really good.
6: The reverse motion that we do in a chair every day, so it's really good for shoulders, and it's one of the only ways I found to really spike my heart rate like I used to with sprints like rowing and and that's also on me because i'm just not that good at rowing and i'm not that i I don't have the long arms like stouty so pushing i'm not that fast at so
2: skiers kind of my go-to when you're in a wheelchair do you feel your immune system is boosted and i say that because you use your hands on your wheels i'm asking a serious question john this is something i think about right so do you you know, you, is your immune system boosted because you're exposing yourself to more germs?
6: Are you asking us if we're better than everyone else? Then the answer is yes, absolutely. Well, you agree.
2: You're you're fitter than me, that is for sure, Kevin. But I mean, you have to like be aware of that. I'm this is a serious but, question. You have to you, be aware. I, of it. I wash my hands a lot. That's yeah. about it. I do want to say, Jason, and
4: this is something that Logan taught me really well. Like people are so afraid to ask people about their impairment. Like, it's just a, it's like a very non-casual piece of, con- and what I've learned, yo, what I've learned in the last five years, these guys will tell you anything. In fact, more than I've ever wanted to know has come out of Kevin Ogar's mouth. And I know you other two know what I'm talking about. But I think the the bigger message is like, First of all, you have a relationship with your athlete. You should be comfortable enough to ask them serious questions. If, just because they are not in a wheelchair, do I need to know that they have a cardiac history? Absolutely, that medical stuff's important. So don't be afraid to ask. Like they will. I mean, there's a difference between being an asshole about it and actually asking a, a true question. I don't know which one you were going with there, Jason. But
2: you know, the point Nick, is, <laughs> no, I think I think you're absolutely right, John. Having all of you guys have been on the podcast before, as well as Alec, you guys know Alec and. You know, one thing that you guys have taught me, not just from a, an adaptive perspective, you know, one thing I learned is from all of you is like, hey, just ask. People get really worked up. you know, I don't want to offend and this it's more offensive not to ask. And I think that's just me personally. like I'm I will ask you anything because I know I'm not trying to offend you. I'm truly curious, and I think that's the best thing you can do for all. You don't, you know, going back to all this. This shouldn't matter if you come in in a wheelchair, or you come with one arm, or you come in at five foot three like I do. Like, ask me questions, get to know me better. It's, it's, you well, know,
6: I, I think it comes down to intent, man. And this is what I've always said: like, being an adaptive athlete doesn't preclude you from being an asshole.
2: You um, for sure.
6: I mean, but like, if, if your intent is to ask a question to make to help them out or be better, and you're not trying to be rude about it, and they snap back at you because they get offended for some weird reason because you didn't use the exact right term that's on them that's not on you if I come in you ask me about my impairment and I snap at you for asking like that that makes me the asshole it's not you being the asshole if you ask about if you say the word disability or handicapped or or you know uh, I know some people get really upset about you know saying someone's in a wheelchair opposed to uses a wheelchair if they get offended by that because they want to be offended that's that's on them that's not on you.
5: Well, and it's just for them, they got to learn how to, if they're offended by it, they have to educate. So you have to say, you know, what I prefer if you said it this way or I don't really um, feel comfortable talking about that right at the moment, maybe, you know, down the line here, maybe we can get into that. Let's move forward on the stuff that we need to talk about what's important, but that's just people, right? Just, you got to be a person. It doesn't matter if you're sitting down, standing up, missing an arm it doesn't matter. We're all people.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, one of my favorite moments was and you were there, Saudi, on the wad on the waves, there was a guy in a wheelchair and he was just kind of watching me lead a huge workout with Patrick Belner, terrible coach, good athlete. But, you know, I was running the workout and the guy's just watching. And if it was somebody just standing there watching, I would've been like, come on in. So why would it be any different? I was like, dude, come on in. He left the workout like that. I, I wasn't sure how some of these people were finding the boat because they were CrossFitters, but he left that workout and he was like, that was amazing. And if I would have felt weird asking him to join, he may never have been exposed to, to CrossFit. Yeah. So, Logan, you've been quiet over there. Talk yeah, to me about I just, what's been going on. I mean, I know you're a big deal. You're on like Ellen and
3: all sorts no. of things. If you don't like <laughs> it, no.
2: trying to hot shot us, big shot us. That's fine. I get it.
3: No, none of that. None of that. Um, I uh, I want the listeners to understand Um. The big picture, the ten thousand foot view of why this matters and why it's relevant to them. Uh, the reason this is all um, applicable to CrossFit is because CrossFit embodies what it means to be like universally accessible. Its benefits benefit your life in the most profound, functional way. So, how does it not? It, it it's it's a no brainer that. The opportunity for folks with disabilities, people with impairments, to benefit from the CrossFit methodology is clear. We all know that. Every all these listeners know that. So I think there's a ton of value in what WheelWOD is trying to do. Yeah, we talk competition stuff and specifics and all that. But like you mentioned, or you alluded to earlier, there's a really there's a trickle down effect that is the priority, and that is um, the there shouldn't be a difference between um, what the expectation is of an adaptive athlete, an adaptive athlete coming to a CrossFit gym for the first time and an able-bodied indiv- individual coming to a CrossFit gym for the first time. Onboarding should be similar. We're teaching what a CrossFit class looks like. We're teaching what the workout looks like. And WheelWOD takes out the biggest struggle. Now you as the coach or as the owner, can you can instill the mentality, the mindset, the aura of this is no big deal. You're another human being coming to join our group fitness class. You don't have to view it as, okay, now you're in adaptive. I got to ask all these questions. I need to understand a lot more. These are the questions you're asking anybody coming into your fitness class. And now the WheelWad offerings allow you to not have to go into the thick of the weeds of how am I changing this? How am I modifying, customizing the workout for you? Now I have your inclusion to the core because it's a part of your daily offering, whether they show up or not you have seated versions upper versions lower versions you have the wheel wad workout you programming is taken out of it and i think something that we we don't we haven't mentioned very clearly on here is wheel wad is able bodied program i mean yes affiliate program but it is able bodied individual competitive programming stoudy took an individual to the crossfit games from omar stoudy where is he from venezuela Brazil? venezuela venezuela that's right he was doing wheel wad programming. Actually, Stouty was programming almost the same thing for me, making the adjustments for a one point of contact athlete. So doing a very similar volume to this guy. And that's when I, I truly believe that was the fittest I've ever been in my life. That's when I went to the wheel wad games in uh, in Collingwood in 2019 and won. Um, but that same year, Stouty was the coach. He was in the the you know the athlete prep area at the CrossFit Games, and to me that was incredibly profound because it's Stouty's not just a great wheelchair coach. He's not just a great adaptive athlete coach. He knows how to program. He knows his shit and he knows the people. He's talked to the people and, he's, and he has the, the ability to make anyone pursue their fitness. And also he's been running an affiliate. He has a 10 year plus affiliate and he's been doing the programming there. So I think um, we, we fall into a pigeonhole. We, uh, the premise of this whole podcast, everyone listening, it's all about adaptive and yes it is, but it's all about people. It's all about people doing fitness together. That's all that it's about. And there's value. And there's also, there's pros and cons to the name of this group being wheel right? There's pros because you get to, you quickly know if you're in a, an individual in a wheelchair, you identify There's camaraderie, there's a place for you to belong. But more importantly, how cool would it be to it be synonymous with, you know, doing any other programming? Individuals with all of their limbs and yeah, I'm a wheel athlete. And it's like, whoa, wait a second. You don't have any disability. It's because that's not the point. The point is everyone can do fitness. It is universal in its application and in the way it's delivered. Um, and I think that's what is so important in the next 10 years. That's where we should go. Yes, it should allow Paralympians and the adaptive competition to thrive and to be a professional athlete as an adaptive athlete if you want, but it also should bridge the gap and there'd be no difference between pursuing your fitness. And uh, now you're learning through experience. You go to a class and you're in a class and you understand the benefit of deadlifting more, I believe, when you see the adapted version for somebody who has CP, the adapted version for a wheelchair athlete. Now you get the context of why you deadlift as an able-bodied individual this way. And I think you, get a, you appreciate the fact that you can move in this way and you appreciate how universal this application of fitness is because that person can do it too. That person can do it too. Very different than you. Uh, and that's camaraderie. That's psychological like health. And that's, that's, then the fitness comes with it.
2: I, I love it, Logan. And I don't currently own an affiliate, but I can tell you if I did, I would do my damnedest to get as many adaptive athletes in there because no one opens a CrossFit to be like, oh, I want to train the top of the best, you know, the best of the best. And we do it to change people's lives. And typically that looks more like someone's going through a hard time. They're getting divorced they're this you know they won't need to lose a hundred pounds. What's more rewarding than helping people that you know five years ago didn't have this avenue and this opportunity? And you I mean you can make a huge impact, I mean, on, on someone's life. If some I'm sure when when someone is first injured, you know, when they're they're just getting acclimated to being an adaptive athlete, i I would guess it's a very hard time in someone's life. Well I yeah,
4: I'll say I had a, a very awesome experience as a coach to an adaptive athlete and uh she is a right-sided stroke she started coming to us um now we've been news river has been on the wheel wide track affiliate programming for like i don't know what two years um and yeah uh, i'm going on three
2: the woman i know i forget her name what's her name
4: the woman that you know that's who
2: you're talking about right now uh
4: you met her nicole yeah okay so she's right-sided neuro and she came in and she, uh, stroke unable to pick up her right arm over her head. And when she came in, she, she said, cause you know, you always ask your athlete, why are you here? What is your goal in being here? What would you like us to help you accomplish? And she said, very pointed, she goes, I want to drive a car again. I'm 32 years old. I haven't driven a car in four years because of my stroke. And at the time she could not pick her arm up. She physically could not move it. And within about six months, just by following the neurologic downline of, you know, walk, crawl, run, or crawl, walk, run rather, she is not only able to hold a barbell over her head with both hands, but she can drive a car. And for me personally, like that is, the, that is the summary of why I got into this business in the first place. It happened to me when I walked into your gym, Jason, and now we cyclically get to get that, but we can't limit it to you have all your limbs and everything works, right? Like you have to expose yourself to that vulnerability of learning.
6: I think a big part of why all of us fell in love with CrossFit and why we do is through CrossFit is there are a ton of ton of um, Paralympic sports, adaptive sports, they're out there, but they put you around and not, this is is not a bad thing, but they put you around people you're already comfortable with because you're always with people who have the same impairment. One of the things I love most about being able to run a class with wheelies, people with CP, TBIs, loss of limb and all that in one, one go is because the, the, the disability is forgotten and the person is remembered. And, and so like, I have a lot of times where people are like, I, I completely forgot that you were in a wheelchair. They don't see it anymore. They see a human being cause they had to interact. And what's even cooler to that, like I've had, I, I do work with the Craig hospital that's close by and they bring people who are usually um, six weeks or less out from spinal cord injury or traumatic brain injury to my gym to work out. Um, and we've had a few who like literally would never go anywhere besides home or the hospital. And they would just kind of like seclude themselves. And they got them to start coming to the gym. And now they have live a full life where they're going out and around people because they were so scared to be around able-bodied people or go out in public, or they didn't have the confidence for it. And so like the fitness part is awesome. And being able to be stronger and, and move better is great. But the, the mental aspect of no longer fearing the world and being willing to go out into the world because you're so used to being around people who aren't like you is, is beyond, beyond awesome to me.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah I, 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 so remind me again, how many different categories are there, Stouty?
5: So there's eight. There's more than eight. And even this wheel Games coming up, uh, we have the stage one, which is like the kind of like the regionals. We've split it into 12 because I wanted to split upper and lower uh, in the it's two in, divisions. And I wanted that's in to
2: November, start. right? That's the wheel Real, Real Games it's is in the November 14th?
5: We've taken them down from like a thousand to uh 400, and in June 4th to 6th, they'll have four workouts uh online that they'll have to do uh you know at a standard video. We'll take them down to the top uh 10 basically. So we're gonna
2: yeah, For each category one, and
5: then in November, we'll go to to rally and uh and have the games. So we've we're at 12 right now, we're at 12, 12 divisions because I, I, I separated uh, just trying to get it as fair as possible at this elite level is like, I want guys with above knee amputees amputations competing against guys with above knee amputations. I want guys with above elbow amputations competing against each other. Um, and same with, I want major neuro versus major neuro minor versus minor. I, I just want to see that I get the luxury of doing that because I'm the guy that's running it. So I can just say, yep, yeah, you're going to do more. We're going to add some more divisions and that's the way it's going to go. I've been programming them as subcategories as it is. So it's, it's a huge jump for us. Like this is a big jump to throw another, you know, what is it? Six divisions, six divisions in when you look at male and female, uh, in there, um, but I think it's completely worth it and really just wanted to quickly touch on what Logan was saying with the programming. As an adaptive athlete for me, when I first started CrossFit, I come in and it was great. Scott Thornton was my coach. He was the owner of the gym that I own now. Uh, You know, he was like, whatever, let's just do whatever, like it's crazy. And every day he was excited because he was trying to think of crazy things of ways to like adapt things. But at some point in time, I got to the point where I was like, okay, I've been doing all this stuff and I, and I, 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 I can't compare anything on the board to anybody else. You know, I'm like, oh, I did that workout, but I did it completely different. And, and, and then I started talking to other guys in chairs and they're like, well, I would have done it this way. And I wanted to standardize it in a program so that when you come in your gym and Jason does Fran at 95 pull-ups and I do Fran at 65 and pull-ups where uh, my feet are on the floor because it's first of all safety, but also like I'm doing strict pull-ups, you're doing kipping pull-ups more at the top level. But that's, I'm going to finish in about three, three fifteen. That's, and I, that's where my fitness level is. That is a good gauge where.
2: No need I'm, to brag, Stouty. We get it. You're fit. You'd be under three, right? You'd be sub three. Of course, <laughs> of course. Of course. Yes.
5: So, but that's what I mean. So like, that's where we're at, but that to me, then I get to put, I look at the program and I open my blog for my gym. I'm like, oh, the seated workout. Okay. Sweet. And I get to put my score up and it's not modified or uh scaled or whatever i'm in the mix and i'll and i get to feel like i'm like yeah man you did that at uh, your capabilities and i did it at mine and these are my rx's not having to, like that little rx being taken away from adaptive athletes because they didn't do it exactly the way it was supposed to, that's a mental mind fuck. like it is it just uh, I've had
2: that conversation numerous times with people and i were you you know, when you always say the word scaling, it's like, no, we're not, you know, this is important for people that haven't heard those old episodes. There's a big difference between scaling and adapting. And yeah. and, and to be clear, you can scale an adaptive workout.
5: Yeah, Oh yeah. yeah. we provide all the scaling for the RX movements.
2: How many t- t- <laughs> so one of the big issues at a box, I'm sure you guys have all dealt with it, is someone will inevitably click RX when they didn't go RX, and then the <laughs> other members lose their minds. How does that work in the adaptive world? Do you, do you guys point. do the same thing? Do you hear the same complaints? Yeah, same, same
4: thing. He's towing he's into a dark conversation.
5: <laughs> no, it's, it's no different than, it's the exact same. I, I've owned a gym for a long time now. And I'm like, I got the athlete that's like, you know, he wasn't doing double unders the whole way adaptive athletes do the same thing he's like no man he wasn't doing that to standard he wasn't that wasn't the standard that he's not not really that paralyzed come on
4: he's got an elbow i love that well he's got an elbow and that guy doesn't have And you're like okay guy go try and do one of those you can use both your fucking elbows i challenge you to do one
2: (laughs) so right now you're saying there's 12 If, if you kind of had to forecast you know like in 10 years from now how many categories do you think there's going to be one day
5: I would go to 16. I have 16 in my head that I can see that would be, uh, separating the quadriplegics for sure. They've got to have their own them being in seated one, even on a multi limb subcategory, just as it's just never going to match up. Like they can't get in and out of their wheelchairs the same. we, we have to really reduce programming or really change programming too. And you, you lose that like apples versus apples. Now it becomes apples and oranges again. Okay. So I suppose.
2: I'm gonna throw um, out a seventeenth, and I think there should be a five three and below, right? Just so short stature high. Short stature. Like <laughs> that makes me feel better too. That does make me feel better. Games athletes.
3: You could call it like the Clydesdale short statures. Yeah, really?
2: I, I like that, Logan. Yeah, no, I do like short stature high, right? Up to yep. five three, five foot to five three, and then a short stature low is like your your Mikeys and your songs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I do question Sean. I think he might be short your high. He is. He's cheating. Oh, Speaking of cheaters, I got Sean in there. So, um, did you see his muscle up? I saw that.
4: He's a monster. Yeah. First, and I, you know, it's funny, and I want to give Sean credit on that. He has been working on it for quite some time, and we've gone through a whole bunch of skill progression stuff, and he's been on it. Like, he'll come in and he'll do it. And then he finished it, and we were just kind of sitting around the whiteboard, and I was like, hey, Man, are you the first short statured person to ever do a bar muscle? Because, as far as I know, so I thought that was really cool. I mean, that's he, really
2: freaking cool, yeah, that's, it's super cool. I mean, bar- I'm not the first short stature high, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you do it. You do it. <laughs> so, you said you eventually gonna have 17 classes. How many are there in the Olympics?
5: Oh, it's by sport, right? So, yeah,
3: depends on what sport uh, you're talking about.
5: Basketball goes from Class one, 1. 1.5, 2, 2.5, 3, 3.5, 4, 4.5, and they have to figure out a lineup that makes 15 classification points out of five guys at a time. It's like Murder
2: Ball. Like if you saw the movie Murder yeah. Ball, then, you can only have so many points on the, on the, the wheelchair.
5: Then track is like, it goes on
3: forever. Track is like, it breaks down you, to
2: you
3: so Uppers lowers seated you have all of those and within those there's like you know
5: c46 yeah Q and quads and it's crazy so track and field is probably where the most divisions swimming is pretty intense swimming's got uh i think like 25 28 divisions uh just because again like having an elbow not having an elbow in a swimming race is is a lot of an advantage that's an extra little
2: yeah
3: often that's around.
2: I don't and want to it's down- one
3: thing that you're doing. It's one thing. So you yeah. have to be laser yeah. focused on eligibility. Well,
2: and that's what I was gonna say. I don't want to downplay Kevin's role and Logan's role or John's role, but Stouty, there's like a shit ton of weight on your shoulders.
0: Is yeah, that true? I, got- I
2: mean, am I just making this up? I mean, everybody else just nodded their head in agreement, but hearing this, I'm like, this is like the godfather of adaptive fitness. And I would imagine you get a lot of the praise but you also get a lot of the what the fuck I don't have an elbow like John saying and it's a lot how do you handle that
5: I'm always open like I run workouts on Saturdays zoom workouts and I and I spend 15 minutes after free workouts any adaptive athlete like this past one I had guys from South Africa jump in and I ask them at the end, I'm like, yo, man, like, what did you think? Where did you feel? Did you feel like that was a disadvantage? I can, I see them. I can be like, that's a fitness problem. This isn't a, this isn't an adaptive problem. That's a fitness problem. That's why you're slower. But I'm very open with that. And I'll say like, man, like you're just, just you're just, you're going to get stronger and get fitter. You'll get better. Don't worry. That's not, this is not a, this is not an adaptive problem. Then I'll, I'll look and say, yeah, that is, we need to make an adjustment. I get called all sorts of shit. I don't care. I'll call them it right back. Cause I'm not.
2: You you realize, you realize, okay, that's a thing. And all of a sudden you're like, fuck, now I need 18 categories. Now I need 20.
5: No, it just has to be adjusted in the program. So like, they're still in the right spot. It's just like, okay, that is a significant disadvantage in a classification that we have right now. So I can be like, that is way too much of a disadvantage. That's not fitness. That's just the fact that they, the the program isn't built to it. So it could be like, Hey, we're going to do 100 thrusters for time and logan and casey are going to be in the same spot this has to be a dumbbell. it has to be a one-arm test with two legs and they can't we have to take the other limb out of the play for that for that for that workout to get that right test so most of the time but yeah no you i went to the paralympics every year every time i went to the paralympics i was like what the what is that what you see the guy on the skateboard with a foot growing out of his butt like what was that because everything's different right like when you start getting into like just birth defects and, and rare diseases people are like oh i'm like one of five people in the world that have this disease you're like make me a division i'm like shit you're probably I think only, too jason one thing that probably aren't very fit so you probably could win that division
4: i think i think study will always underplay some of the architecture at a competition um i know I know it's, it's easy for Kevin and Logan to speak on it because they've competed within the competitions that he's helped curate. And I think for me and Kevin, we're a lot more supporting staff to that vision. Now, you know, Kevin will handle floor judging at a competition. I'm more of athlete relations and logistics, but like, if you consider for a second and we'll just use Waza because it's the most forward-facing when we do the wheel games, that's a uh, you know that'll be it'll be at News server this year. It's at the gym. It's not really a spectator environment. It's more of a this is us throwing down. If people want to oh, watch I'm gonna be there,
2: I'm going to talk to firm. We got to be there this year. Oh, November, that'd be awesome. just to be clear, November 12th to 14th in Raleigh at News River CrossFit. We'll watch yep. it. Yep. But when you when
4: you start to really break it down and you look at um, and Logan and Casey are a great example, right? So he's using the one arm one movement kind of mantra. I don't but
2: know.
4: When you Casey Accree, uh, He's just a very fit. uh, Competitor against Logan in the one-arm space.
2: Fiercest rival, Logan,
3: no doubt. Yeah, he's (laughs) below elbow, so he's missing (laughs) his arm here. This part's gone. Listen, listen. This is important to mention. Casey did the adaptive open upper, and he did the able-bodied open as a below-elbow amputee. He qualified. He went on to the semis. He competed in the semis. He he was top ten. He was yes, he was the top ten percent, and did not. He did not come in last Uh, place. No, I, I just want to, he, I mean, he kind of cheated on
2: the dumbbell snatch workout.
3: <laughs> right? Am I right?
2: Like, you can't <laughs> no, do that. No, you know, no, I mean, um, that's appropriate, me
3: that's appropriate for you to say, but. To his he's, credit,
2: it's faster. it's faster to not switch. He
3: Touched. He touched, he timed, he had a guy, his training partner who has both of his arms cycle a series of alternating dumbbell snatches. And then he had a standard where he had to touch it to his residual limb, the distal end of his residual limb passing through. By making that his standard, his timing was the same as somebody cycling. But
2: did but they was, let
3: him go on? He, did they let him go on in the actual competition? No, he didn't move on from there. He didn't qualify for... But he got what, past the, he went to the whatever. Yeah, he went to the semis. I think Ackerman
4: just thinks that it, he's not as fit. I think he's reflecting inward on his own lack of fitness. No,
2: no, no <laughs> for the record. I, I believe that is fitness, but it, it's a different movement, and which is exactly sure. why a lot and the adaptive programming yeah. exists, right? Because you will have assholes like me calling this dude out, saying you're cheating, you know, even though he's a thousand spots ahead of me. And you know, what about the pull-ups? He
3: uses so, a strap.
2: I mean, he does. Yeah,
4: so he anchors cheating. Okay. the elbow. So cheating. Just making. Okay, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. sorry <laughs> shit is
2: what I what I received. Yeah, I. I, I, I I'm gonna use this sound next year too, guys. It's high. High. Like, Short stature high. Short stature high and in the open. So what were you saying, John?
4: Yeah, I know. I was just gonna kind of <laughs> I was just gonna kind of comment on when you look at an event where you have, you know, 15 athletes going at one time and you have all different variations of limitations or adaptations, you're looking at a roadmap of a floor that has 15 different equipment assignments, 15 judging differentiations. But inside of that, there is standardization. So the complexities of having these events is something that I think Stouty and Kevin and Logan, and all of the people who have supported WheelWod throughout the years have done a fantastic job doing. But I think that right now we're in that crux of the breakout, right? Like, Um, I think the CrossFit Open did a great job of exposing the need for adaptive athletics to be infused inside of and WheelWatt has done the responsibility of making sure that these athletes have a safe place to do their competitions as well as programming that will offset your athletes needs inside of the gym. So it's just, it's a really interesting thing. And I think Stoudy plays it down a lot. He doesn't really uh, he just like this is life, you know, the way he always is with everything. Um, But it's, it's a very complicated task, which is why, you know, to bring in the other events that we're working with. Um, and we'll use the bacon Beatdown as our next kind of highlight event. Like they came to us because they knew this is a very complicated task. You know, we want, we want the people who know what the
5: hell they're doing to come in. And come I, I think- yeah, I'm gonna play it off. Like it's like, it's easy by any means. But I also put a lot of like, these guys are being um, on the modest side. I put a lot of heat on them as well, right? I'm like, Kevin, like, here's the, like, here's the movements, you got the standards. You make sure every judge on that floor that may have never judged, like somewhere like Water Blues, all of a sudden they're like, oh, I've never judged an adaptive athlete. That's like, you make sure that that person is actually doing what they're supposed to do. And if they're not doing it, you need to in while wheel in and and say, like, hey, no, that's a no rep. We got to rego. And John, like, I I drop on him. I'm like, here's what the floor looks like, dude. These are the barbell setups. You make sure all the people that are ready to roll in the workout courses do what they're supposed to do. And make sure that they're set up. We can't have, I can't be like, oh, we have a four-minute transition because the elite athletes are right after us and be 10 minutes. It happened to us twice and both times. I'm like, I'm gonna strangle somebody. I'm like so upset, right? Because I'm like, I want us to be looked at as like professional and we know what we're doing, and we do know what we're doing, and you know, there's always gonna be hiccups and competitions fall behind, but I don't want it to be because uh they look at it and be like, oh, it's, it's falling behind because the adaptive guys are in here. So I put a lot of that heat like on John and be like, this will be your fault, man. You'll hear, you're going to hear about this for four years. Four years, <laughs> I'm going to talk about this until... <laughs> Remember workout
2: three in 2017, yeah.
5: was the games?
2: But if you want to be recognized at the same level that CrossFit, just the standard division is, you have to be yeah, you know, at the I, same level as them for everything. What, what's the... Kevin, what's the equivalent active recovery position in a wheelchair? So mid-workout, I'm always like this, like bent over, hands on my knees. What do you guys, what happens in a wheelchair? Where do you go when you're trying to rest?
6: You lean in, you just kind of curl up into a little ball as much as you can. It's like the fetal position, but in a chair.
2: Gotcha. All right. I try to do this. So like,
5: because my lungs are partially paralyzed. So if I do this, i'm like getting nothing i'm just like so i try to like i look like i'm just bellied out i'm like oh
2: but that's dude. really what you should be doing in a in a standard division too you should not be bent over yeah. you should be that's why like wrestling like stand up hands on your head yeah so we should be we should be taking that from you stat That's a good tip right there yeah so-
5: well lose part of your lung capacity paralyze it for a bit get someone to stick a needle in there take the half part out you'll learn quick
2: and Immediately, as you're saying that, I'm like, there's a, that's a division, too, right? You have to consider that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, when someone's judging an, an adaptive competition, can, in other words, I've judged the CrossFit games. Will I have an easy transition to judge, or yeah. will it be like? No,
6: it, are, it's the difference. The difference or, in judging is, is this is that, like, when we roll in, and this is the speech I give to, uh, like, when I've run judging at Wapalooza and whatnot and wherever else, is that people just don't want to no know rep cripples. Like that's okay, the bottom line. You, like,
2: Do you
5: You can't what? say Use you can't use that term. cripples. <laughs> Am I
6: not supposed so to say it? Oh. Yeah.
2: Okay.
5: okay.
6: Cripples is not a good I mean. word to say. Cripples. Sorry. Got it. Um, so they don't want to know up these athletes because they're like they're inspirational or they're 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 trying really hard. And that's a that is a downright insult to their athleticism.
2: That's a, sure. that that is more of an insult than using. The C yeah. word, as far as I'm hearing, right? Because it's like, you're going to no rep Tia and if she's yeah. a freaking inspiration, right? No different than Sean is. I mean, look, look Logan is a monster of an athlete. And she to tell helped.
6: him that he can get away with whatever he wants to, because he is missing an arm, is is a direct insult to his character and to his athleticism. And so if you know what you're looking for, like we we set out the standards very, very clearly. If this doesn't happen, this is a no rep. Um, if they don't have a... a a pre-approved, Hey, they can't get this range of motion. They need to hit that range of motion and that's on them. And if they don't hit it, then it's a no rep. And and the biggest thing you have to think about is like, and I've had people come up to me, like, I just don't want to judge this, this division. I can't, I can't no rep someone who's missing a leg. And I'm like, well, then cool. Go, go judge someone else. Um, get out of your feelings. We'll, we'll bring someone else in who will. Um, because it's, it's, it's people internalizing how hard it probably is for them and, and wanting if they were in the same situation wanting an easy way out, these athletes that are competing don't want the easy way
2: out. Oh. They,
6: they want to show you what they're worth.
2: Kevin, as you know from being on staff, it's relative intensity too, right? I mean, it's no so different. You you know rep, you know rep a muscle up on Tia while she's in the middle of Amanda. That's an expensive no rep. No doesn't matter if you're in a wheelchair, one arm, you know, whatever whatever's going on, it's it's relative intensity. That's the beauty of CrossFit right mm-hmm. there.
6: I mean, I've had people, me and Johnny have had people threaten us because we know up some of their athletes, um, you know, shoulder to overhead means shoulder to overhead, not, not chin to overhead. I, I don't care that you're missing
4: a leg. Um, it, it's, it's, I also think too, that starts at the top. That's the way you should coach all of your athletes, period, full stop doesn't matter. And that's the way like, um, and I, and I referenced Logan again, but like He actually made me kind of have the empathy in that space where, because I'm always like, I'm, you know, I'm a gym owner. Our currency is empathy, not money. We're idiots. We only want to help people all the time. But he was like, I want to be held to a standard. Like, don't don't hold me back because you think I can't. And when that kind of got into my brain, now when somebody walks in the door who's an adaptive athlete, the very first thing I tell them is, You're an athlete here. You're nothing else. You're just another person coming through the door who has limitations, just like everybody else who comes through the door. So let's figure out what your limitations are. And that's how we start.
2: So, you know what that sounds like? We work with a lot of affiliates that are afraid to raise their rate, rates. And it's you're projecting on me. And it's the same thing here. You're projecting on them, maybe because you're not willing to work as hard as Logan, or maybe because you don't want to be no rep and you want to get away with that, you know, uh, lack of range of motion or whatever it is. But yeah, if you the standard becomes the standard, right? So so speaking from Kevin, we heard it, Logan, you know, I think it's important that the the listeners who maybe haven't had the opportunity to work with an adaptive athlete hear it. So Logan, you agree?
3: Yeah, absolutely.
2: That was very exciting, Logan. Thank you. I It was like a big moment in the episode. It was like really important.
3: I've been patiently holding my tongue. Thank you for giving me the mic, Jason. Hopefully your (laughs) listeners are still listening. (laughs) <laughs> this is a ridiculous podcast. Nobody's listening to this. Who cares about adaptive competition? But listen, let's make it relevant. Let's bring it back. Why do people listen to this podcast? Are they affiliate owners? And if so, do they want more members in their gym? Yes
2: and yes. And coaches, good. just standard good. I think a lot of people we get a lot of, you know, level one trainers, level two, which is they do this because they love it. And I think like me, you know, again, to quote Coach Glassman from years ago, he's like, I wouldn't cross the street to watch a two-minute friend, right? But I would cross the street to help someone improve their air squat. And I think that's why we do this. We do this because we wanna help people. And if if you're not, not only welcoming adaptive athletes but purposefully seeking them out and that's kind of where I wanna go before we wrap up, you know, Logan, Kevin, Stouty, John, how can people that are listening because they're owning an affiliate or coaching an affiliate get more? Because I would imagine yes, John, you have 15 or, you know, Kevin, someone or Stouty or even Logan, you know, people walk in and you have that kind of connection, right? For me to grab the guy that was sitting watching, like I had to really convince him, like, no, 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 you can do this. So how do we expand that in our community? How do we get more people involved that are, you know, that are adaptive athletes? Yeah, so
3: that's exactly yeah. what I wanted to, that's a, that I, was, I wanted to follow up from your yeses. Um, so those listeners, those affiliate owners, understand if you're in the US, let me give you some, some statistics. One in four people live with a permanent physical impairment. That's oh. 61 million people. That's one in four, it's 25% of the United States population population. Globally, it's 15%, which so is, is still pretty significant, about a billion people. So why is it when we're in the grocery store, do we not see one in four people with a disability? Do we not see one in four wheelchair users, amputees, uh, you know, difference in function? Uh, I mean, because, let, me, let, me
2: say, let me answer, let me guess. Yeah. Because they don't either feel comfortable or have the ability to, to, to be there. Like they, they don't have mm-hmm. the right band or whatever, you know, to get our
3: Environmental barriers to entry. That's okay. ultimately what it is. Societally, culturally, all right? So we are looking at a specific aspect of living life, which is your ability to accomplish tasks, live independently for people with disabilities. And if you're saying one in four people are that way and we don't see them out in the world, that's because Bears barriers of entries. They're stuck at home. Now we're going to equip affiliates, CrossFit gyms, which we know are where lives are changed, with the programming, the knowledge to offer, say you are welcomed here. The workout is written every day, tailored towards and for you, as well as able-bodied folks. There's no difference. We have all of the options here in-house. That, in and of itself, will get your able-bodied members more excited to talk about they're a part of an affiliate that is the ultimate inclusive and accessible facility. They will makes them feel good, makes them look good to go to a a big dinner and say, Yeah, well, I go to this gym that also, you know, helps people with different impairments. You know, there's this guy with in a wheelchair, who bench presses 450 pounds, guy with one arm climbing rope, it's incredible. And now those people at the dinner are like, what, that's happening at that gym? I gotta go check this out. If you're an affiliate owner, this is the way to grow your affiliate. This is the way to get one adaptive athlete in your door and then to become the spokesperson, the face. And I appreciate John saying that I, give me credit for what has happened at News River, but I can't take that credit because it's a part of the wheel wad momentum. It's a part of, yeah, me being a part of that gym, me wanting to advocate and reach out as much as I can in the Raleigh community, but also the next member, once they come in there, they're the leader. They're the next one to recruit the next, like all of the Christie's, the Sean's, the Shane's, all of these members who have been adaptive athletes at News River for years. They don't, I'm not the leader, they're leaders. They're all voicing it and bringing in new individuals that are able-bodied folks. And I think that's a really powerful message. I think We all know in our heart of hearts, it's good to support adaptive athletes. It's the right thing to do. Might not make us money, but it's the right thing to do. No, let's talk business. It will make you money. It will make you a lot of money as affiliate owner if you do it right and you treat all humans as humans. You don't treat adaptive athletes as up on a pedestal. They don't need to pay a membership. Oh, no, they're just great and hand clap. No, remember, you need to reduce their limitations, increase their work capacity and give them a better quality of life. Uh, you do that, and I guarantee you'll get more able-bodied members and you'll grow your affiliate. You can do all that for $100 a month with WheelWad affiliate programming. So that's, that's the secret to what we're offering. That is the trickle-down effect to then getting people into competitions, to then getting people into Wadapalooza and into all the different uh, opportunities for fitness going on to the Paralympics. Uh, this, is, this is not meant to just make you uh, an elite CrossFit athlete, I think. I think WheelWad is meant to make you realize that you're far more capable than you realized. Uh, and you can go pursue whatever you want
5: and to, to touch on that it's going to i don't know john and kevin i know you guys know but i know there's other gyms that follow philip programming make sure able body athletes are more honest with themselves and they'll come forward with injuries because they say oh there's like an option i i tweaked my knee last week i'm like good we can do this workout seated we could do this workout with a you know above knee uh limitation so let's 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 continue keeping you training and address that injury and i have the way for you to do it you, you you don't want to be you know your foot's been bugging it you, you got plantar fasciitis let's do let's do a couple workouts a week seated I, I know. The, the biggest thing and this is not just adaptive athletes this is all
6: athletes is that all athletes come to your gym because not because they think you're the smartest or necessarily even the best they come to your gym because they they know that you care about them and jason i would argue that it, the hard part for able-bodied people to coach adaptive athletes isn't because they don't know how to do it because it's they're 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 trying to convince them of the wrong thing. They're trying to convince them that they know what they're doing, not convincing them that they care about the person and, and basic human psychology. How do you convince, how do you let someone know that you care about them is you put thought behind them. You, you, you text your friends, you call people who you think are having a hard time. The beauty of the wheel wide programming and that you can have at the affiliate is that you show you're showing them that you thought about them. Oh, you came in in a wheelchair. I already have things done for you. I have scales for you, I have adaptations for you, I have a workout for you, a warm up for you, it's all done. And so it makes it a lot easier to convince these athletes and let them know that you actually care about who they are. We do it with our able-bodied athletes and I think a lot of uh, able-bodied coaches are missing the mark and trying to convince people of, of what they know, opposed to how much they care. And, and no one gives a shit about how much you know if they don't think that you care about them.
2: I love it, I think you guys just nailed it. You summed it up really well there. And again, if I owned an affiliate right now, this would be top of my list. So people can find your programming where Stouty
5: Sugar right Wad Marketplace
2: Sugar Marketplace Wheel Wad. And again, it's not. Yeah. Don't leave this episode thinking, okay, this is only for my adaptive athletes. It's full on programming. By the way, you know, it took people to the CrossFit Games. So it's good enough for mm. for you people. And just
3: to, just, just. lastly, it's not It's not one workout. It's not like you get dot .com, it's one workout, go do that, and you're the coach, you show up, you, you get into the program, but now you got to come up with a warm-up. No, it's warm-up. There's a focus, which, yes, might be strength, but it also might be skill. It's just a focus. There is a workout, and there's recovery and a cool-down, all intentional. So it gives you your whole hour. Now, you can be your own coach and personality and create your setting and your one hour that is unique to you, but set your framework up. Now you get to be a better coach. You get to be more thoughtful. You don't have to worry about little things. And and I think that's really powerful.
2: Absolutely. Well, this was amazing guys. As always, I appreciate your candor and your openness to discuss this and, and you guys are changing the world, Saudi. And you got a lot on your shoulders and now you got a 17th division that you need to consider. (laughs) Definitely, definitely moving the target down. And Potentially adjusting the rower, I'm going to throw out there, like make the rower a little more advantageous for the sh- for the sh- shorter people. You're talking about
5: putting blocks on the on the pedals, like you do on in your car. Yeah, blocks <laughs> on the pedals
2: and then lower boxes. Twenty four inch yeah. box jumps is nonsense. So, <laughs> but that, this is really great. You guys are the best, and you can obviously find wheel wad on sugar wad and, and if somebody just wanted to reach out. Can you guys just quickly throw out the best way for somebody to get in touch with each of you? I mean, John, you're on Tinder. And then Kevin, yeah. where's everybody else? Where's everybody else?
5: So you can get everybody at wheelwad.com.
2: All right, uh, wheelwad.com. Easy enough, easy enough. Let's leave it there because we got, we got some creepy listeners and they're going to be chasing after you guys. So we, uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Check out wheelwad.com for, for everything you need. You guys are the best. Thank you so much. Thanks Thanks a lot, Jason.
5: Appreciate it.
0: So you never miss an episode of the podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and on all major podcasting platforms at best hour of their day. Thank you so much for tuning in and for being a part of the best hour of our day. See you next time.